Hey, it's Sean from the Commander's Brew with a very special announcement. Unless I screwed up my editing and publishing, you are listening to this on the old platform. I know, I know, it's 2023, podcasting has never been easier, so I should just be able to update things and you should never notice what's going on behind the scenes from your podcast app. But that's part of the problem. We've been doing this podcast for a very long time and the way it's been done is a little bit out of date. So I can't just have everything switch over without you noticing. So currently, I've got this feed, which you are subscribed to and listening to on your app at this moment. And I've got another feed going, which is exactly the same, but it doesn't have this intro message. And the key difference is I won't be putting new episodes here for much longer. This might be the penultimate episode. I'm not sure. Maybe one more, maybe two more. In any case, I do hope you'll find the new show, the new RSS feed that is, it's the same old show, and switch your subscription over there. And perhaps this message only exists for someone coming from the future, looking for a Commander podcast, finding the Commander's Brew through this one, and hears this and thinks to themselves, oh, right, I ought to subscribe on the other one. Because since I'm from the future, there's gotta be dozens of new episodes out by now, right? Maybe even hundreds. Ooh, future. Anyway, here's the app. Hey, it's Sean here from the Commander's Brew. Thank you for listening. I'm glad you're here. I'm happy to be hanging out with you, talking about magic cards, talking about Commander, talking about fun decks, really. I mean, that's the whole point. I want to talk about cool, fun decks, and I'm not going to do an all-is-one deck right now because this deck is too fun. This deck has been sticking out of my mind. I got the idea when I was looking back at all of the legendaries I didn't get to brew around. And, you know, this is me kind of dipping in there with a little bit of a twist. Before I get to that, I do want to thank you for listening. And I want to remind you that if you like what I'm doing here and you want to support the show, the YouTube channel, anything that I'm doing here with Commander's Brew, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash Commander's Brew or to click the link in the notes below to buy your cards through the TCG player link, whether you're buying the cards I'm talking about here, which will be in that link or any other cards after you go through there, that definitely helps a lot. But let's get to it. What is the theme of the deck? I've got the real secret theme I'm going to unveil in a few minutes, or you can play along and pretend that this is a Boros equipment deck. There has been some cool Boros commanders that have come out recently. They're really trying to push us into getting some sort of Boros commander, and my thought is never like, oh, that's a Boros commander I'm happy to brew around finally. I'm thinking to myself, let's get them all in a room together, aka a deck, and throw them all at something. Because once these all start working together, it becomes pretty excellent. Let me tell you what I mean. One of the central figures of the deck will be Cadric Soul Kindler. Two red-white, legendary dwarf wizard, 4-3. The legend rule does not apply to tokens you control. Why does that matter? Because whenever another non-token legendary permanent enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one, and if you do, you make a token copy of it, gains haste, sack it at the beginning of the next end step. So this is asking us to put more legendaries, which is perfect for Boros, and the fact that the legend rule doesn't apply, that's very nice. That is why these token creature versions are allowed to exist. And there's some pretty heavy duty effects. Let's look if we combine that with Duke Alder Ravenguard. This is the 6 mana 5-5 five five human noble soldier. At the beginning of combat on your turn, Another target creature you control gains haste and myriad until end of turn. This is at the beginning of the combat, so we'll give something haste and myriad before we have to declare them at attackers. This is important because myriad cares when you declare it as an attacker. If this happened after that, there would be no point. We attack with it, and for each opponent other than the defending player, we make a token copy that's attacking the different players. It's kind of like it splits up into ghost versions and you attack everybody. The main one goes at whoever. But look how well that combos with Kadric. We make a copy of some legend, Duke Alder gives that thing Myriad, 
Now we've got a myriad token copy swarm going at someone. We don't care if the first one dies because we're going to sack it anyway. We get major effects that way. Now factor in Commander Liara Porter. Five mana, legendary human soldier, three red, white, five, three. Whenever you attack, spells you cast from exile this turn cost X less to cast, where X is the number of players that are being attacked. Exile the top X cards of your library. Until the end of turn, you may cast spells from among those exiled cards. First of all, Commander Liara Porter makes all of our exiled spells cheaper, regardless if it was happening through this ability. So this is great for all of those red effects that let us exile a card and until end of next turn you get to play it. We definitely want to add those things to a deck like this. And the wording confused me for a minute, because where X is the number of players being attacked, doesn't that mean if you're not attacking you're not getting a discount? No, that refers to the trigger setting the x so we attack we've got now myriad now think myriad works later so myriad will trigger as well so myriad we have to stack these triggers so that the myriad goes first whenever we attack myriad whenever we attack commander liara next now liara will see that we are attacking three players x will be set for three so now exiled cards will cost three less and we've exiled an additional three to do so now you know we've got in addition, Kami of Celebration came out. This is not a legendary, but this is a five mana spirit. It's a 3-3. Three, three. It's from the Neon Dynasty Commander decks. Whenever a modified creature you control attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may pay it this turn. And whenever you cast a spell from exile, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Great. This is another way for Commander Liara Porter to get more cards to cast with discounted value. That's some serious ramp in Boros that we don't often have access to. Creatures have to be modified. I haven't talked about modifying creatures yet, but the Kami does put plus one plus one counters, which counts. I'm also thinking about equipment, which I'll get to in a bit. Now, again, the legendary creatures that have come out recently just keep coming. The hits keep coming. Wolfgar of Icewind Dale. This one's a little bit older. It's Forgotten Realms. Three red, green, legendary human barbarian, four, four, with melee. So now, whenever this creature attacks, it gets plus one, plus one for each opponent you're attacking. We're probably attacking all three, so this thing's getting plus three, plus three. And if a creature you control attacking would cause a triggered ability to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So Commander Liara Porter, for example, we attack three people. Now that'll trigger twice. So all of our cards cast from Excel will be discounted by three and discounted by another three, and we will exile three, and we will exile another three. Six cards off the top, all being able to be cast for six less. Uh, we'll probably won't be able to use that discount. There just aren't enough cards that cost red, white, X, or something like that. And speaking of melee, why not throw on Adriana, Captain of the Guard? This is a much older one. Much older. I think it came out in Conspiracy Take the Crown, which is what? I don't remember. But anyway, five mana, four, four, three, white, red, melee other creatures you control have melee so now everybody is getting plus three plus three on attack it's great cue sound of record scratch getting to the secret twist you caught that i mentioned a red green creature didn't you wolfgar of icewind dale is anyone there are you still thinking to myself what but that's impossible i thought we we're talking about boros yep that's another rocco deck rocco cabaretti caterer naya x red green white when Rocco enters the battlefield, if you cast it, search your library for a creature with mana value X or less, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle. 
Rocco is leading a deck, which is Naya, full of legendaries that attack great. Most of them happen to be Boros, but then someone like Wolfgar comes along and it's fantastic. More specifically in green, let's look at Durnin of the Yawning Portal. Three in a green for a legendary human warrior, 3-3. Three, three. This is from Baldur's Gate, Commander Legends. Whenever Durnin attacks, look at the top four cards of your library. Exile a creature card from among them. Huh? Exile, right? Commander Liara Porter. Put the rest on the bottom in any order, and as long as that card remains exiled, you may cast it, and that spell has Undaunted, so it's already getting one cheaper for each opponent you have, not to mention if Liara Porter finds her way to the battlefield because of Rocco or something else. Now we're getting a huge discount on those creatures. Even Hajar Loyal Bodyguard. Very cheap creature, just a red-green legendary 3-3, quite big for a you know, I guess it's legendary. That's why we can afford a 3-3 three, three for 2. Sacrifice Hajar. Legendary creatures you control get plus 1, plus 0, oh, and indestructible till end of turn. Fantastic card in a big combat deck. And the beauty is Rocco can grab him for just 2 extra mana. White, red, green for Rocco. And then two more for Hajar. If you want to dip into the Warhammer stuff, this one's actually only 17 cents according to Scryfall. Death Leaper Terror Weapon. Two red, green, Tyranid. It's a 3-3 with Flash and Haste, and it has an ability called Flesh Hooks. And if you don't remember what Flesh Hooks does, creatures you control that enter the battlefield this turn have Double Strike, like all the tokens from Myriad. Like whatever, like if we cast something or Rocco brings something out, Duke Alder gives them Haste before Myriad, so that also counts. Basically anything we can cast or bring into the battlefield and give Haste right away. And I keep hinting that there's going to be some equipment dangles coming up later on, and you can bet that there's plenty of equipment that gives Haste that just makes Death Leaper fantastic. And again, the reason I love a Rocco deck like this is because we don't have to pick which specific Boros commander is our commander and then try to build everything around that. We can just build a bunch of good stuff and a bunch of good creatures that attack well and a bunch of spells that help attacking, but we also get green. So we can run your rampant growths to put more lands out. We can run Harrow to put even more lands out. Maybe if we got some budget in the bank, we can afford a Selvala Heart of the Wilds. That's the three mana scout that you can tap to add green in or sorry, you pay green and tap to add X mana in any combination of colors where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. That can be a ton of mana or just straight up if you've got 20 bucks to drop on a Nyx Bloom Ancient, that's the seven mana elemental 5-5 five, five enchantment creature from Theros Beyond Death, Mythic. It's got Trample, and if you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times as much that mana. With stuff like this out, this is why Rocco needs the green, because we need to be able to pay for that extra tax. It's like any one of these creatures costs an extra three. Heck, maybe you throw an Azusa Lost but Seeking. Now you can play two additional lands if she returns. That's only a $10 investment. I think she's come down a bit. Quite a few reprints. You know, maybe you do a Shamanic Revelation for draw too. Like that's an important part of the deck. Five mana, draw a card for each creature you control. Or Ferocious, you also Ferocious, you gain four life for each creature you control with power four or greater. A bunch of draw and a bunch of life gain if need be. Life's Legacy is a nice one too. It's just one in a green as an additional cost, sack a creature, and you draw cards equal to their power. I like this in a green deck because it's a nice way to blank an opponent's removal spell. Oh, you spent a card to remove my thing? Well, I spent a card to also remove my thing, but also draw five cards or something like that. And speaking of Rocco's tax, we also want to make sure we brew in a bunch of ways to put Rocco back in our hand. We don't want to have to have Rocco die and then pay an additional two commander tax in addition to Rocco's tax to get all these creatures out. Teamer Sabretooth, a classic, a commander staple. Four mana, four, three. It's still under a buck. One and a green. You may return another creature you control to its owner's hand. And if you do, 
Teamer Sabretooth gains indestructible till end of turn. It's fine to save Teamer Sabretooth from a wrath, and Teamer Sabretooth also saves Rocco from a wrath, or if you got nothing going on at the end of someone's turn, you can just put Rocco back in your hand with the intention of grabbing another person out of your deck. Iganjo Freeriders is a 4-mana creature with flying. It's 3-4. At the beginning of your upkeep, you return a white creature you control to its owner's hand. Another way to get Rocco back into our hand. And we've got a whole bunch of single white instants that can return a creature to our hand. They've actually given us quite a few of these. If you go back a little while, this was hard to do for one mana. But now we've got Alley Evasion, one white return target creature you control to its owner's hand, but we can also instead choose to give target creature plus one plus two until end of turn. That might be relevant. Light the way, the choices are returning a permanent or putting a plus one plus one counter on target creature or vehicle and untapping it. We've got you are ambushed on the road. Same deal. You got a choice to return something or target creature gets plus one plus three till end of turn. And then shepherd of the flock looks like a two mana three one, but we've got the adventure side. No choices here return target permanent you control to its owner's hand for a single white. And while I was looking for this effect, I encountered Scapegoat, which I probably talked about in an old Rocco episode, but I forgot about it. It seems pretty good. It's only a quarter, a gumball. As an additional cost, you have to sack a creature. Okay, fine. Return any number of target creatures you control to their owner's hands. This sounds like a pretty good way to get around a wrath. We may have to end up discarding things, but if you assume the wrath is being cast on your opponent's turn, we can cast Scapegoat, sack whomever we care about the least, and then return all of our key pieces to hand. I see no reason why you don't return all of them and then just discard whatever you have to at the end of your turn. So let's talk a second about the equipment side of things. Most of this stuff has been legendaries so far, so something like Blackblade Reforged keeps getting better. It's also a gumball, but the creature gets plus one plus one for each land, casts for two, equips for three if it's legendary, equips for seven if it's not, but that kind of doesn't matter because we're going to get around that. And remember, we've got green, so we've probably got a ton of lands in play. And Blade of Selves, believe it or not, is down to 250 When this card came out, it was like 50 bucks. It's a two mana, equips for four, equipped creature has Myriad. It's the kind of effect we probably want in the game, but Myriaded creatures don't actually trigger the on-attack creatures. I mentioned before that the creature with Myriad attacks, and then in the middle of combat, you make token copies that are tapped and attacking. So... If the first thing had an attack trigger, the copies won't get that attack trigger because they didn't get turned sideways. They just became to be while being sideways. I hope that makes sense. To get those attack triggers, you have to be around for the declare attackers and you have to be turned sideways or in case of vigilance, maybe not. I'm using that as a shortcut for declared as an attack. But if you showed up later attacking, you missed that part of the plan. I do want to do a quick shout out to Kodama of the West Tree. It's two in the green spirit with reach for three, three. That's getting up there. Seven bucks. It doesn't surprise me because it's got reach and modified creatures you control have trample, which is nice. But here's the key. Whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you tutor up a basic. And if we can somehow myriad this, we've got Cadric so that the tokens don't have the legend rule. We're putting some equipment on things. Now, if an equipped creature deals combat damage and we've got three Kodamas on the battlefield, each one will let them tutor up a land. You don't need to equip all the Kodamas. You just need to hit with some equipped stuff. And they will by default have trample because of Kodama. Triple trample, really. Triple trample. Triple triple. So now that we're into the equipment, I gotta mention Aster, Bearer of Blades, from Dominaria United. Four mana, four, four, two red, white, human warrior. When Aster, Bearer of Blades enters the battlefield, look at the top seven cards of your library, reveal an equipment or vehicle, put them into your hand. Resco on the bottom. And while Aster's on the battlefield, equipment you control have equip one, and vehicles have crew one. That's how we're gonna get around these brutal equips. Blade of Selves, equipping for one, 
Yes. Blackblade Reforged, equipping for one to a legendary or non-legendary? Incredible. And with Rocco, cost seven mana to pop Aster right onto the battlefield. I guess you'd need an eighth mana to do the equip for one. Sounds like a lot, but it's doable in green, especially if we're nearing the mid to late part of the game where you're about to make your game-winning plays. This can be a big part of it. We're going to include Brunor Battlehammer. This is from the Forgotten Realms as a redundancy. Four mana, five, three. Each creature you control gets plus two, plus oh for each equipment on it. And you get to pay zero to equip the first equip ability of each turn. Maybe if you only got seven mana, this is who you find to do that first equip for free. And then you get Aster to do multiple equips and shuffle things around. Or maybe you don't even need to. I don't know. And then Cole the Forge Master. Two mana, two, two. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, if it was enchanted or equipped, return it to its owner's hand. Another great way to get Rocco back into hand. We can put equipment on Rocco, and now if anything happens to him, as long as it's not exiled, Rocco comes back to hand. We don't even spend a card on it. Maybe this is what that life's legacy is for. We also get to draw cards. Creature tokens you control that are enchanted or equipped also get plus one plus one. Fine. More redundancy, more keeping stuff out of the graveyard is Hoffrey Ghost Forge, five mana legendary dwarf cleric, four five. Spirits you control get plus one plus one and have trample and haste. Not sure that's super relevant, but here's the key part. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you exile it, and if you do, you create a token that's a copy of the creature, except it's a spirit in addition to his other types, and then when that creature leaves the battlefield, you return the exiled card to your graveyard. Temporarily exile them from the grave from the graveyard to turn them into little spirit versions. I guess that's where it is relevant because those ones will have plus one plus one in haste. Never mind, that's very relevant. It's a great card. Keeps things going, you know? People wrath, cool. I'm coming at you for a whole nother round. If we're talking about Boros. I love to attack decks. I gotta talk about another four mana Boros card. This one's a little bit older. This is from the original Theros, Iroas, God of Victory. $15 card. 7-4, indestructible. As long as your devotion to red and white is less than seven, it's not a creature. Creatures you control have menace as a static and prevent all damage that would be dealt to attacking creatures you control. Brutal. It is incredible to be able to just attack without a care in the world. Iroas does that. That's why it's 15 bucks. If that's too pricey, I'm a big fan of Loyal Unicorn. Loyal Unicorn is also a four mana card. You get a three, four with Vigilance, but you also have Lieutenant. So at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, which we absolutely will if Rocco is the thing that got this because Rocco's our commander and Rocco made us go get Loyal Unicorn. So if that's true, prevent all combat damage that will be dealt to creatures you control this turn and other creatures gain Vigilance. So we lose the menace from Iroas, but we gain vigilance from Loyal Unicorn. It's way easier to turn off Loyal Unicorn's ability. You just got to kill the Unicorn or your commander. Well, sorry, no, like the Unicorn is a trigger. So if you kill the Unicorn after this trigger is resolved, you'll get all of that stuff for one combat, which I guess cannot be said for Iroas. If Iroas leaves the battlefield, those effects are gone. So in a way, the Unicorn is better from a couple of angles. Anyway, it's way better from a price angle. It's a quarter, a gumball. If you are... A millionaire. Uh, you probably also want Miri Weatherlight Duelist for 20 bucks. That's the three mana, three, two cat warrior. One green white. First strike. Whenever Miri attacks, each opponent can't block with more than one creature. Like that closes games for sure. And as long as Miri is tapped, no more than one creature can attack you each combat. Basically, Miri plus Iroas means your whole team's unblockable because they're only allowed to attack with one. Sorry, they're only allowed to block with one, but everything of yours has menace, so they cannot be blocked. And Miri only costs three, so that means Rocco can bring Miri into play for six mana. Pretty good. You got 
12 bucks lying around, how about an Aurelia the War Leader? That's the six mana Boros Angel with flying vigilance haste that gives you extra combat steps. If it's the first time Aurelia is attacking each turn, you untap everything and get another combat phase. You do not get an additional main phase in between, so you don't get to bounce Aurelia and cast her again to make her think she's a new one. And I guess the Myriad ones, well the Myriad ones, oh no, because the Myriad ones won't get the attack trigger. Yeah, it's hard to, it's harder to break this than you might think, but it's just broken as is. Well, there's a new one and it's about 12 bucks as well. This is Clouth Unrivaled Ancient. It's a seven mana dragon in Gruel. Five red green four four flying in haste. When Clouth attacks, add X mana in any combination of colors where X is the total power of attacking creatures. Spend it only to cast spells. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Well, guess what's a spell? Rocco. Guess what's also a spell? Those white blink spells to put Rocco back into hand. Guess what's also a spell? Rocco, that's back in your hand. If you're getting that much mana, you can probably loop that a few times. Maybe you're using Teemer Sabretooth at that point. This card's incredible. I think it's going to get way more expensive too. That little clause that you can only use it on spells, I think that's because of those creatures that are like, spend a bunch of mana to get an extra combat step. I think that's why that's in there. Not going to dig too deep, but... Seven bucks, Morag, Fury of Akum. I mentioned this on a previous Rocco episode, but you're getting extra combat steps for more landfall. So Morag with green, it's a dream come true. So let's get back to some more newer cards that I want to add in this kind of thing. Sophia, Spear Sage Deserter, otherwise known as Chief Jim Hopper from Secret Lair's Stranger Things. Four mana, four, four with Menace, Boros. Whenever this card attacks, you investigate once for each non-token attacking creature. It's probably going to be quite a few. We're going to put a lot of clues into play at once. It's another thing we can't use the mana from that Clouth for. It's not casting spells, it's cracking clues. Maybe we throw in an Audric Blood Curse to get a bunch of clues as well. Or sorry, these are blood tokens. So when Audric enters, you get a bunch of blood tokens where X is the number of abilities from all of them. First strike, double strike, etc, etc, etc. If you're using Cadric to make copies of it, each Audric that enters with Myriad. No, I guess do... Yeah, well... Cadric copies them, Myriad copies them, Duke Alder copies them. Every time an Audric enters, you get a bunch more blood tokens. I mean, or you just run original Audric and control how people block, or you run second Audric and you control that everyone has all the keywords. That's also very good. But if you're going this blood token clue angle, that's a ton of artifacts. So now Nettle Cyst becomes a very appealing piece of equipment. It's a three mana equipment with living weapon. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control. Equips for two or for zero with Brunor. Gonna touch on some ramp for a second. Kessig Naturalists. It's the two mana, two, two werewolf, not legendary. And whenever Kessig Naturalists attacks, you add red or green. You don't lose those till end of turn. Great. Grand Warlord Radas, kind of this ability, but bigger. You get red or green for each creature that's attacking this turn. And I want to mention an artifact slash creature combo that I just love. It's just mono red, but I don't see this as much as I thought I would. Torelf God of Fury is the four mana god from Kaldheim, it's a 5-4 with Trample, or you can cast him for 2 mana as Torolf's Hammer. The Hammer doesn't do a ton. Plus 3, plus 0 as long as the creatures are legendary, and 1 in a red tap to unattach, it deals 3 to any target, return the Hammer to its owner's hand. That's fine, but I'm a big fan of Torolf himself, because for 4 mana, we put down our 5-4, and he says whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage, Torelf deals the excess damage to any other target other than that permanent. So like Blasphemous Act, that wins games. You drop a Torolf, and then for probably one red, as it always costs, you cast Blasphemous Act. And now, how many opponents do you have? Do they have a bunch of tokens? Because if they have a 1-1, one, one, 
that opponent is taking 12 damage. Or a different opponent is if that opponent only has a few life left. You get to point it wherever you want. And I want to remind you, if you're holding that Blasphemous Act in hand, Rocco costs 3, VX is 4, which gets you Toralf. Then you put a Blasphemous Act on the stack. Your opponent's got to do something about it, or that win is in the bag. Speaking of sneaky spells, we also have Sun Forager. It's that 3-minute equips for 3. Creature gets plus 4, plus 0, and you can pay red and white to unattach it. Search your library for a red or white instant with converted mana cost four or less and cast it for free. Now that we have access to green, it has to overlap. Like it has to be a red or white instant, but we can find a red green instant or a white green instant that costs four or less and cast that for free. So I did use the work. I, I went and looked and like, what are all the possible things we can cast with some forager if we have access to green? And honestly, there's not a ton of new stuff. Most of it is artifact and enchantment removal with all the charms and things, but that's nothing we couldn't do before with sun forager. My favorite ones, though, I think that are a little bit different. Eldamri's Call. It's green white instant search your library for a creature, put it into your hand, then shuffle. It's nine bucks, but it's nice if you just want to Get a creature out there. You don't have the mana for Rocco. Maybe someone has dealt with Rocco a bunch and it would cost way too much. Here's another way to get something into your hand. Signal the clans. Kind of similar. Red, green, instant. Search your library for three creature cards. Reveal them. If they all have different names, you choose one at random and put that one in your hand and the rest go into your library shuffled. We've got a setup where most of these Boros commanders are sort of interchangeable. So we can definitely find three commanders that will do solid work for us. We'll get one of them and the rest get shuffled in. You could probably even engineer the cost too. If you're like, I only got three mana, I gotta find stuff that's three or cheaper. We can do that. It's nice to do the Sunforger too. Here's one more. I don't know how good it is. It's pretty narrow. Guttural response. It's a hybrid green or red. It's one mana. It's instant. Counter target blue instant spell. Very narrow, but blue decks won't, they won't see that coming. They will be surprised by it. I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, this is super cool. As always, I'm going to put a link to all the cards I talked about in this episode, but I would encourage you to do a little bit more digging. How would you brew this up yourself? As I always say, I'm not going to give you a deck. I'm going to teach you to deck. So let's say we start with a bunch of lands, maybe 38. Put in your six to eight best attacking legendaries, Cadric. Alder, Liara Porter, Wolfgar, you know, pick and choose a few after that. Put another 10 to 15 creatures or legendaries that also attack well, that equip well. 10 or 20 cards, that's going to be for ramp, spells to bounce Rocco back to hand, some draw spells. Maybe you can lean on creatures or equipment that does the same job so you can get more power and toughness on the battlefield while also satisfying those parts of the deck. And after that, that's, I don't know, 70, 80 cards. I've been given big numbers, but there's still room there. And the rest is up to you. More draw, always great more removal. These flex spots, in my opinion, are how you flavor the deck, how you put your personality in there. Do you want to do more equipment specifically and equip based creatures? You got it. You want to put a tight little sun forger package in there, including something to tutor up the stone forge itself? Go for it. Maybe you make room for a morog and extra combat package, way more fetches, that sort of thing. And there's definitely some overlap there. You could do a little bit of everything. And maybe your favorite extra package is all those gold creatures. I haven't talked about goading much, but I'm looking at you, Marisi, Breaker of the Coil. For those of you who don't have Scryfall open in front of you, Marisi is the four mana cat warrior legendary, 5-4. Your opponents can't cast spells during combat. I keep forgetting that's on there. That's very nice. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, goad each creature that player controls. Pretty strong. And another four mana card. Seems like seven's the sweet spot with Rocco. There's so much value for four which means seven for Rocco. That early ramp has got to be key for sure. Anyway, I'm wrapping it up here. I think I'll get to an all-is-one commander next week. In the meantime, you keep being you. World's a better place for it. See you next time.